0: Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 18, where we're joining Jesus, where he's continuing to speak to the crowds gathered on the mountain. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people, to be seen by them. Otherwise you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be applauded by people, I assure you, they've got their reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father sees in secret will reward you. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. I assure you they've got their reward. But when you pray go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray don't babble like the idolaters since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honoured as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, your Father will not forgive your wrongdoing. Whenever you fast, don't be sad-faced like the hypocrites. For they make their faces unattractive so their fasting is obvious to people. I assure you, they've got their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that you don't show your fasting to people but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord.
1: I'm going to invite Ed up as our preacher for tonight, uh, well known to many of us. I'm going to ask you just a couple of questions, Ed, before you preach. Um, you've been sharing us, with us the last few weeks about uh, visiting uh, your friend Justin, uh, a guy that you taught at school. Uh, can you can just you share with us how you share the gospel with people? You're just so good at sharing the gospel with people. How do you do it?
2: Uh... <laughs> okay. Um, someone said recently um, in a, a message, they said, do you um, do you love people because you want them to become Christian, or do you want people to become Christian because you love them? Uh, and a big change happened for me when I started to realise um, that I didn't want to have people as, this sounds horrible, but I, I, get, I probably treated people as projects almost but rather just to love them unconditionally Hmm. like god loves them Hmm. and if you really love someone and you have the words of eternal life and they don't have the hope of eternal life then i couldn't call myself a friend if i didn't share it with them so Hmm. uh, i just have to (laughs) somehow you know and 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 i guess it's kind of like learning to drive a manual car you know like it's clunky and horrible to start (laughs) and um and, and and you get better at it. Um, so I've just tried so many things, and I've I've had awkward, sweaty hands, and you know, felt embarrassed. Um I try and speak with my dad, who's not a believer. And um, I, I normally like just fall into a blubbering mess kind of things. So I write him letters, and I don't have to speak. We uh, back. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. So. I just try.
1: <laughs> so you're an evangelist. You're at Bible College at the moment. Yeah. Uh, you've been there for the last eight months. Yeah. Uh, share the one high and one low from Bible College.
2: Uh, okay, one high. Um, I'm just... So, th- so the Bible makes a, self, a claim about itself. It says it's the living and active word of God. Uh, I've been reading my Bible on an everyday basis for the last five years, and I can't believe how much i am learning and i don't know um bible is like a deep rich treasure you know the more you get into it the deeper it goes and the Mm. the better it becomes um so i'm astounded by the insights i've had into god's word um one low light would be that um i found myself in my prayer life just telling god things that i knew about him And and i was like he actually already knows that um and so i i sort of felt like I needed to make a shift, you know, I, I don't want to become someone who can tell you everything about God, I want to be someone who loves God, so I've started declaring to God the things I love about him, and that's been a helpful shift to make, but mm. it's easy to make it a head thing, um, but I'll, i keep praying my heart would grow with my head, mm. oh, not my head.
1: <laughs> I'm going to read from Revelation, uh, so please turn <clears throat> to Revelation chapter 3, it's on page 1127, and then Ed is going to preach. Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Write to the angel of the church in Sardis. The one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says, I know your works. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Be alert and uh, strengthen what remains, which is about to die. For I have not found your works complete before my God. Remember, therefore, what you've received and heard. Keep it and repent. But if you're not alert, I will come like a thief, and you have no idea at what hour I will come against you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not defiled their clothes, and they will walk with me in white, because they are worthy. In the same way, the the victor will be dressed in white clothes and I will never erase his name from the book of life but will acknowledge his name before my father and before his angels. Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches.
2: Let's pray as we open God's word together. Anyone who has an ear... listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Father God, open our ears that we might hear what Jesus has to say to us tonight, that we might obey his words, and that we might live transformed lives for his glory and for our good. Amen. Well, we're talking about reputations tonight, and I wonder what sort of reputation you have. I wonder if I I went to your friends and I asked them to sum you up in a couple of words. I wonder what they would tell me. Uh, I wonder if I went to your workplace and I said, Oh, I'm a friend of of Anna's. I'm a friend of Mike's from church. What would they have to say about you? I wonder what your reputation is like here at church. And I wonder if it's the same as the reputation you have with your friends and, and, and at work. Jesus' concern tonight is that the reality of who we are matches up with the reputation that we've developed. Uh, but Jesus' primary concern is, is the reputation of his church. What about church by the bridge? What's our reputation like? We've got a great reputation, don't we? Uh, we're one of the it churches, you know. We're, we're a prime target on the uh, church-hopping around Sydney, you've got to come visit church by the bridge. They've got a great website, run an amazing carols. They're in touch with the community, uh, good music, good Bible teaching. People, oh, that's a, you, you can judge for yourself there. But uh, the, Jesus' big question to us is, as a church, is this a reality of who we are as individual Christian believers? Does that match up with the reputation that we have established? You see, the church in Sardis, they had a great reputation. Uh, They were a thriving, growing congregation. They were loved by their community. Uh, Amongst the seven churches that Jesus writes to in the province of Asia, it seems like there's no false teaching taking root in Sardis. They had made a great name for themselves, but read the shocking words of Jesus with me in chapter 3, verse 1, halfway through. I know your works, Sardis. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Jesus declares to us tonight, Church by the Bridge, that we can have a great reputation. We can be respected by everyone around us, and at the very same time, we can be as good as dead to God. But that's not his final word, is it? Because listen to what Jesus says to those who will hear his words and respond. Verse 4... Sorry, verse five. He says to the victor, the one who hears and obeys, will be dressed in white clothes. I will never erase their name from the book of life. No, there I will acknowledge their name, their reputation before my Father and before His angels. My prayer tonight is that God would spare us from the error of hypocrisy, and that He would help us to be a people for whom the reality of who we are matches up with a great reputation as a lively church. Well, Tonight is our second installment uh, in a little three-week mini-series on Jesus' words to the churches in Revelation. Last week, John Best, he helpfully opened, opened up uh, Jesus' letter to Ephesus, and he showed us that there's a basic structure to how these letters are written. Uh, effectively, each letter starts with a word of praise. Praise. Uh, should be up there. Um, yeah, there we go. And then Jesus rebukes the church. And then he issues a call to repent and return, and he finishes with a promise. We're going we're gonna to follow that feedback sandwich that Jesus gives uh, as we look at the letter to Sardis tonight. Let's start with praise. The letter to Sardis is the fifth letter that Jesus spoke to the churches. And if we'd gone through um, one by one the different letters, the first four, I think we're meant to get a shock when we come to Jesus' words to Sardis. Have a look at the praise that Jesus has for Sardis in verse 1. Take a look at it. There's nothing there, is there? Jesus has no praise for Sardis because Sardis were living for the praise of men not for the praise of Jesus. Let me tell you what we know about the city of Sardis. Uh, Sardis is uh, an inland city in the province of Asia, modern-day Turkey. Uh, Apparently, it was a bit of a thriving hub of trade and traffic. Uh, Sardis had a reputation for being a great city. But the reputation it had was founded um, when it used to be the central city, the capital ...of the great kingdom of Lydia. but That was five centuries ago. Now, they'd been conquered by the Persians, conquered by the Greeks... Um, ...and they still somehow held on to this reputation. Uh, they, they were still considered a somewhat great city. But you know what? The reality of who they were didn't really match up to the reputation. And unfortunately, it seems like that whole keeping up appearances thing... ...had crept into the church... See, the church inside us were hypocrites. A respectable in their reputation, but another thing in reality. So let's turn to Jesus' rebuke. His rebuke. Jesus condemns their hypocrisy. He condemns their hypocrisy and he simply says he will not tolerate it in his church. Now, you and I don't like hypocrisy. How much more? Jesus himself. As far as we know, uh, this church in Sardis, well, they were relatively free from persecution. I mean, in comparison to, I think, uh, Smyrna, uh, sorry, Pergamon, um, where where Antipas had been martyred, they were doing it easy. The world didn't make it tough to be a Christian in Sardis, which is a good thing, right? It's, It's great to not be persecuted, unless, of course, you do what Sardis had done. Well, they'd grown comfortable with the world around them. Uh, they'd sort of snuggled up with the world and adopted the world's attitudes. And so if your average sort of uh, Sardinian uh, Sardin pagan introduced you to their, their Christian mate, they would say, hey, hey have you met my friend Christian? Uh, he's, he's not like other Christians in the world. Um, I used to think that was a good thing that people said about me, uh, not so much. He's not like other Christians. You know, he could drink you under the table on a good night. Oh, have you, you met my friend Christian? Yeah, she's not like those sort of, you know, fundamentalist Christians. You should hear her ripping into her workmates. It's such a laugh. Oh, um, have you met my friend Christian? Oh, he's not that kind of Christian. No, he'll cut you a deal on the side. It's okay. Oh, my friend Christian, yeah, no, she's she's not like those um those those Christians in Ephesus, no. Um she, she uh, she's happy to sleep sleep around with her boyfriend so you can go there if you want you know Jesus sorry the the church in Sardis they were compromising and they were adopting the world's attitudes and perhaps the world was flocking in to the church in Sardis because the church in Sardis were just like the world around them have a read of Jesus words to this church verse 1 read with me Midway through, I know your works, Sardis. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Be alert and strengthen what remains, which is about to die. For I have not found your works complete before my God. Isn't it scary that Sardis seemed to have the whole world fooled? All the churches of Asia thought they were the it church. But Jesus knows the reality. Jesus sees straight through the facade. Have a read with me. uh, Perhaps we'll turn back uh, just one page in in your Bible to the, the start of Revelation where John the Apostle is describing the Jesus who is sharing, the risen and ascended Lord Jesus, who's sharing these words to him. Verse 14, down the bottom of your page there, it speaks of the risen and ascended Lord Jesus having head and hair as white, like were well, white, like well, white as snow. That's a biblical picture for for wisdom, for authority. But here's the here's the pincher, and his eyes were like a fiery flame. The eyes of Jesus are like a burning flame. They can see straight through hypocrisy. You can fool the world, but you will never fool Jesus. It goes on to speak about him, verse 16, having a du- sharp double-edged sword coming out his mouth. And we've heard about that double-edged sword in, in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, where it speaks of uh, the Word of God being like sharper than a double-edged sword. It says that the Word of God can judge, this is scary, the ideas, thoughts, and attitudes of the heart. No creature in all creation is hidden from Jesus, the word of God's sight. All things are naked and exposed before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The risen Jesus knew the works of the church in Sardis. The risen Jesus knows your works and mine. Verse 2, he said to Sardis, I have not found your works complete before my God. Well, I wonder what he means when he says that I haven't found your works complete because I can think of lots of things that I wanted to do to God, for God that I never got around to doing and that have been left incomplete. Well, The word literally means fulfilled. Jesus found their works unfulfilled. Uh, perhaps that's a reference to them being lifeless in their good works. Uh, perhaps they were in church, they were singing out, blaring out great Worship songs, but their hearts were a million miles away. They were just thinking about what they were going to do tomorrow. Perhaps they were shouting out loud amens at the end of a great prayer, but they hadn't been present. They were just thinking about who they're going to talk to after. Uh, perhaps they were doing great things, giving money, um, doing great works in their church, upkeeping an amazing church building, but it wasn't for God's glory. It was for their own. It was to make a name for themselves. Perhaps it was that in spite of good works that they did, well, Jesus saw through those because they had equally as many hypocritical evil works. Look at uh, verse 4 with me. Jesus said to them, You have a few people in Sardis, just a few, who have not defiled their clothes. By inference, I guess we can presume that that means that the majority of people in Sardis were defiling themselves, lax in their moral standards, uh, uh, blatant, even blatant, blatantly involving themselves in immorality. They may have been fooling everyone else, but Jesus knew their works. He knows the stark reality of their lives, and he knows the stark reality of your life and mine. And he declares tonight that he simply won't tolerate hypocrisy in the church. He rebukes it. And he says that if you're going to keep living an unrepentant, unrepentant, hypocritical life, then you are as good as dead to me. Hypocrisy is death to the soul. But if that were Jesus' final words, then there probably wouldn't be any of us here next week, would there? And because we, we all know our propensity to hypocrisy. It's too easy for us to say one thing and do another. It's in our DNA. So What do we do? Where, where do we go? Well, the next Jesus issues a call to repent and to return. A call to repent and return. I was 15 when I first um, became a Christian. Uh, on a Sunday afternoon at youth group, I prayed a prayer where I asked Jesus to forgive me for my sins. After praying that prayer, I was assured by uh, the guys leading the youth group that I would be forgiven. Now, regretfully, I went on for the next five years of my life uh, in willful unrepentant sin. Um, I I think remembering at the height of my hypocrisy, um, I was at a party at my surf club and I'd been drinking way too much um, and I, I got down, I was dancing on a table, and uh, I got down to sort of high five my mates because I thought I was a real champion. And a guy who was standing there, who I didn't really know, just looked at me and said, You're a clown, mate. And he just laid a perfect punch on my jaw and really knocked me flat. Um, I didn't see it at the time, but now I look back at it and I'm thankful to God that He literally had the hypocrisy beaten out of me. Uh, with alcohol and that's what Jesus is doing for the church in Sardis they didn't need an arm around their shoulder they didn't need someone to say oh just you'll be okay just try a bit harder they needed a slap in the face Sardis had to wake up because they were dying and they needed to recapture the life that they once had Jesus said verse 3 have a look verse 3, Jesus says, remember, Sardis, remember what you have received and heard. Keep that. Keep that and repent. What had they received? The gospel. They'd received the gospel, and with the gospel, believing in it, they'd received the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. I used to think in those hypocritical years and the sort of earlier years of my immature Christian faith, that the gospel was just something for people who needed to become Christian. And that was probably best reflected in, um, in my, the way that I would just tune out when people talked about the gospel in a sermon. Um, I, I guess I, would, um, I sort of knew it, but I just knew it so I could tell other people. Uh, I, I also sort of believed that having once prayed a prayer of repentance... My days of repenting were over. I did that. I now had to move forward. But That's not the case with the gospel, is it? It's not back then. It's now. It's every day. And let me read to you this great verse in one, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I feel like this verse sums up the heart of the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made Jesus, the one who did not know sin, to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's the great exchange of the gospel. Jesus took on your sin. Everything you did yesterday, that was sinful and wrong against God. Everything you did today, everything you and I will do tomorrow, that was all heaped upon Jesus And what did he give us in return? The most ridiculous exchange that will ever happen in the history of mankind. We gave him our filth. He gave us his righteousness. His perfect, spotless righteousness. It is the great exchange. And you can't do that exchange and then just leave it in the past. You need that exchange every day. You're going to need it tomorrow when you stuff up and do the wrong thing again. You need to give that sin to Jesus and you need to remember that you have been given his righteousness. The gospel is an everyday message. It's not a back then. Every day we need it and every day we will be repenting and turning back to Jesus. So if the gospel is the uh, is like an antidote to hypocrisy, well then the Holy Spirit is like can't even think, but the agent that goes through us a- a- and gets hypocrisy out of the system. When we believe the gospel, we receive the Spirit. And the Spirit just can't coexist with hypocrisy and double standards. He searches the dark places in our heart and He won't tolerate it. But a word of warning. It is possible to have the Spirit in you, but not be filled with the Spirit. You can possess the Spirit, but have you let the Spirit possess you? Does He fill you? Do you walk in step with Him? Do you pray for Him to have every part of you? Well, I still remember when I sort of learnt that truth for myself and what a good deterrent it was to willful sin. When I remember when I realized that the Holy Spirit of God, the perfect presence of God, lived inside me, I realized that if I was going to engage in willful disobedience, in willful willful debauchery, drunkenness, slander, gossip, sexual immorality, if I did that, I was dragging God's Spirit through that junk. We can't do that, friends keep doing that and that's why christian brothers and sisters it is such an offense for us to carry on in unrepentant hypocrisy and sin the perfect holy spirit is in us and we've got to flee from that remember the gospel remember that old gospel and let it change every day be filled with the spirit of god and hypocrisy will simply find no place in your heart And you've got to heed this warning. We must heed this warning because read with me in verse 3, halfway through what Jesus says. Verse 3. He says, But if you are not alert, I will come like a thief, and you will have no idea at what hour I will come against you. You don't heed this warning. Jesus says, I will come against you. He'll come against you to expose your hypocrisy. He'll come as a thief. What does the thief come to steal? Let's read verse 5. Midway through, he says, And I will never erase the faithful, the victor's name from the book of life. Jesus will take your place from the book of life if you continue in unrepentant, willful hypocrisy. This could not be a more serious warning. Jesus has called his church out, repent and return to daily trust and obedience in the gospel and walking in step with the Spirit. Well, Jesus invites his church to move away from old and empty reputations and to look forward. Everyone is invited. Look forward, Jesus says. Repent from that. Look forward forward. And make a name for yourself that really lasts. That's his promise. Final stage. Jesus invites us to make a name for ourselves that will really last. Well, what sort of name do we want to make for ourselves at Church by the Bridge? What sort of name do we want to have? It depends on who we want to make our name before. Do we want to make a name for ourselves before other churches? Well, that'll just lead to sort of one-upmanship, slicker services, a better production at our carols, a faster website. Do we want to live to make a name for ourselves before our community and our world? Well, that'll mean bending over backwards to, uh, to do whatever the world wants us to do so that we can draw them in. No, we want to make a name for ourselves before Jesus before the one whose opinion really counts. We want to be like those few, those minority, the champions in Sardis who had not defiled themselves. Have a read about these champions in Sardis. Let's, let's be like these guys. Verse 4, but you have a few people in Sardis who have not defiled their clothes. Now, these guys were probably the butt-of-the-jokes in the Sardis. Uh, the fundamentalists who kept banging on about sharing that old gospel. Uh, You know, the conservatives, the conservatives who won't move forward with with the progression on morality. They keep talking about that old walking in step with the spirit stuff. Well, these people, they'd been mocked. Uh, But imagine being in church in Sardis on that day uh, when the names of the majority of the church of Sardis were publicly disgraced. And these people who'd been living to make a name for themselves, not with a city around them, but a name before Jesus, well, they were publicly praised by Jesus himself. What does he say? They will walk with me in white, spotlessness, righteousness, because they are worthy. And Jesus issues an invitation. You want to join this minority, he says, in the same way the victor, You too can be dressed in white clothes and you will never have your name erased from the book of life, but I will acknowledge your name before my father and before his angels. See, in a city where making a good name for yourselves really mattered, Jesus gave the church of Sardis a way to make a name for themselves that would truly last. They would do it by living before an audience of one that's what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. And we had it read to us by Stephen before. Let's let's just turn quickly back to page 889 to close. Matthew chapter 6 was our reading. Jesus invites us to live an authentic, genuine Christian life. By living to impress our unseen Father, our unseen Father who sees every work, even the unseen ones. Verse 1, Jesus says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness, brothers and sisters, in front of people to be seen by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Jesus goes on to sort of highlight some really basic acts of Christian obedience uh, things that you and I can practice in secret or where no one else will know. Uh, these things, uh, as we live before an audience of one, uh, will give in a way that people don't know about. Verse 4, he says, So that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Times of personal, private prayer. That's something the hypocrite won't bother with, will they? No one sees that stuff. But that's the building blocks of an authentic Christian life. Verse 6: When you pray, go into your private place, a place where no one knows what you're doing, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And he goes on to speak about fasting, well, any act of spiritual Christian discipline, Bible reading. When you do these things, don't show it. Verse 18: Don't do it so that your fasting, your Bible reading, your self-denial, maybe shown uh, maybe shown before others uh, but do it so that your father who is in secret will see and he will reward you so friends what's your reputation like you know what it actually doesn't really matter does it what your reputation's like with people around you what's your reputation like before God, the one who can give you a name that will last forever and ever. Jesus has shown you tonight that he will not tolerate hypocrisy in his church. He will not tolerate it. If you have noticed it in yourself, let's repent tonight. We'll take a moment to do that in just a a moment. Repent, remember the gospel, our sin is, Given to him, his righteousness given to us. Uh, Walk in step with the Spirit and take hold of Jesus' promise to make a name for yourself that will really last. Then you know what? We'll keep getting visitors here at Church by the Bridge. And they'll come in and they'll say, Oh, I've heard great things about this church. And then they'll meet us. And then they'll say, And the reality, it exceeds the reputation. These people really do live for Jesus. And these people, they loved me like Jesus loved me. They will see that we are a collection of individuals who live to make a name for ourselves before Jesus and Jesus alone. And then Jesus will look down on us, church by the bridge, and he will say, church by the bridge, I know your works. You have a reputation for being alive, and you are truly alive indeed. Let's pray that that would be the case for us. Let's pray. Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Lord Jesus, we heed your rebuke tonight. And we take a moment now because we all need to repent of the hypocrisy that so easily takes root in us. Thank you that you who did not know sin took our sins for us. you have given us your righteousness help us to remember this gospel help us to walk in step with your spirit and make us a church of individuals with a reputation for being alive may the reality match our reputation for your glory and for our preservation in the book of life in jesus name we pray amen